Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello, and thanks for having me. Today's topic, Clerks. It is the first of Kevin Smith's View Askewverse films and introduces several recurring characters, notably Jay and Silent Bob. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. We assure you, we will be talking spoilers. We have talked a lot of Kevin Smith so far on the podcast. We first did More Rats. We've done Chasing Amy. In fact, no, before More Rats, we actually started with Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. So this is our fourth Kevin Smith film together, but with my regular Sounds Like Comics co-host Jay, we did the Clerks animated series. I was literally just saying to you off air then before we started recording that it feels like we've we've, we've covered this already, but we haven't. And it just feels like we have because we've done so much Kevin Smith. We have. And over at that film stew, we've done Jane Silent Bob reboots. Clerks 3 is just around the corner. Can't we'll wait. be reviewing that. Honestly, I just felt like... So we started with Morats, and although it isn't adapted from a comic, it is very comic book heavy. Mm. Stan Lee is in there. So it felt like it connected. Mm. And then Chasing Amy, I wouldn't have started there, but it's the next film. And again, that is you know comic book related within the film. Of course. But Clerks just seemed something different. And that's why it seems a bit strange that we're only just getting to Clerks now. I just always thought the guys at Rewind and Review would do Clerks. And then maybe Clerks too. But I think enough time has passed with them not doing it. We're taking it. Yeah, we're taking it. So this is us reviewing Clerks because this is where it all started for Kevin Smith. And there's a nice synergy there because his third movie's about to drop and that's pretty much going back to his roots and acknowledging the first movie and what better time and place than now to cover the first movie. Yeah, I'm so glad that we are finally... Getting around to it. Finally doing it, Absolutely. Clerks was shot for $27,575. I think it could potentially be the lowest budget movie we've reviewed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that like the most amazing figure? Yeah, I mean, especially... If you're looking at other films that were coming out at that time, and this film, I mean, critically acclaimed. After Sarah and I watched it recently, that was her, that was one of our, her first questions to me. Like upon viewing it, she's like, "What was Kevin's budget?" So we looked it up, and we, we were astonished. There you go. So that was the budget. The movie went on to gross over four million dollars in cinemas. So if you're spending as little as that, and that's your return, I mean, mm, that is you're doing pretty good. You're doing something right. That is a hit. The film was shot in the convenience and video store where director Smith worked in real life. Upon its theatrical release, it did receive generally positive reviews. And again, it went on to gross over four million in cinemas, launching Smith's career. In 2006, a sequel was released and a third installment is slated for release September this year. That's in the US. I said to you before we started recording, we're still waiting. We yeah. don't have an have Australian a, a date. release date. And I remember Jane Silent Bob Reboot, it was such a limited release. But I'm hoping that I get to see Clerks 3 on the big screen. I watched Clerks 2 at the cinema. Yeah, same here. Clerks, like the movie we're talking about, I watched on VHS. Yep. And before I watched the movie, I read the screenplay. That's incredible. 
Uh, yeah, because I was I was at the comic shop, funny enough, and buying comics and saw place. this book and like, hey, Kevin Smith, I know that guy. By this point, I think he'd done Daredevil, Guardian Devil. Is it Guardian Devil? The, yes. the comic he did, Marvel Knights for Marvel. That's right, with Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti. Green Arrow for DC. And I'm like, hey, I want to read more of this guy's work. And then got mm. to the end of the screenplay, Dante dies. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That so he- then... He never shot that. Well, he did shoot it. And originally, so the studio didn't want him to include it, but Smith still wanted to shoot it, and they decided not to use it. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. So you can watch it as a special feature on the DVD. Quirks. You can see Dante get killed. Is that he in gets Quirks gunned X? down. Quirks 10? Yep. It's, I think it might have, I think it's appeared on other editions as well, but maybe that's where it first appeared. But I'm reading the screenplay, get to the end, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I really enjoyed this, but what a sad ending. And I get to the end of the movie, and he's he gets, alive. He gets plugged. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> like in the actual movie I watched. Yeah. Years later, I got to, see the, got to see the scene, but I'm glad that he didn't die. And I'm yeah. sure Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante, is also glad because he has a been able to come Yeah, a career. Yeah. He's, he's, I'm sure he's done other things, but he's been able to come back and play this character over and over and over, as recent as... Clerks 3, and I mentioned Clerks animated series earlier. He is also voicing Dante there. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty cool. Clerks 2, I love that film. I love Clerks 2. You know, everybody says The Godfather 2 is one of the best sequels ever made. <laughs> For Come me personally, I'm, I'm joking. But Clerks 2 is a great sequel. Like, oh, it, is, it is. Uh, has a, really has a great synergy to it, and you can really relate to it, especially depending on where you are in your life. I just love the fact that we've gone from 95... The 2006, and here we are in 2022. That there's like there's quite a bit of time in between films where real growth would have happened in that time. Like they're not just doing a sequel a couple of years later. So no. it's so good. You can tell that it's not a machine just just pumping out movies cynically. That's it. But just coming back, but then through his other films, like we do get references to you know Dante, Randall, and you know those references are still there, which is which is pretty cool. And the wider view ask you this. What I love about Clerks Three is it it, uh, it really feels like old friends coming back. It really feels like you're reuniting, reuniting with old friends and you want to see how they're doing and where they're at in their lives. That's what I love about it. Yeah, I mean, the trailer looks fantastic. So oh, I yeah. cannot wait for oh, that. Yeah. The Clerks is often regarded as a cult classic and a landmark in independent filmmaking. In 2019, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically and aesthetically significant. Interesting. There you go. And and again, the budget, the return at the box office. You can see why. I mean, it's so irreverent. Um, the dialogue in it is so chatty and it's just trademark Kevin Smith. I mean, it really is. Like, that's what it is. Like, his films are people in a room together having a just conversation. Talking. But it's what they're talking about. Like, the scene where they're talking about the second Death Star. Yeah. And, like, the first Death Star would have been Stormtroopers. The second Death Star... Like, it was still in the construction stages. Yeah, so, like, you've got contractors. Independent contractors. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, right. awesome. So, just little things like that. So, that's what Kevin Smith was interested in. But mainstream cinema, and again, like, this, you know, was a, like a small indie film, and it absolutely blew up. And again, it was kick-started his career. But he was, he had characters talking about things in his films that his friends would talk about. And it just, it was something really Really relatable. I remember reading somewhere, um, it was uh, Smith saying that if he ever shot a big budget comic book movie, superhero movie, it would literally just be 
two superheroes standing beside a car or something talking, something something would happen, like a big action set piece, but you wouldn't see the action. They would just walk off camera, you'd hear all the sound effects of the, of the fight, and they'd walk back on camera and resume the conversation where they picked up, where they left off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so yeah. Kevin. No, that's funny. You know, the, I get the short-lived Clerks animated series, which unfortunately got cancelled before it even went to air. And I loved they it. aired the episodes out of order as well. So yeah. the whole gag in the first movie, or sorry, the first gag in the first episode, they're referring back to what had happened previously on the show, but mm. they were only actually minutes into the show. Mm. So the gag is that they were just replaying things, but then they aired them out of order. So it the was joke just jointed. Yeah. Didn't work, but they left the store and they went on adventures. But then I think the final episode, they stayed inside the whole time. But there was all these big explosions and exciting things happening outside, and people would come in and tell them about That's what right. happened. But they would never go outside because they were trying to recreate the feel of that first movie. That's right. I like it. Like it gets a lot of shit, but I do like Clerks the animated series. Yeah, just by the by, uh, there's a comic book out there called Tales of the Clerks that I've, oh, been, yes. I've been trying to get, which details how they came to work at movies, the burger joint. I need to find that so I can find out why they left the convenience store and went to work at movies. I've had a look myself. It is out of print, but you can get it. It's quite costly. Like Australian, you're looking at about $100 online. Whoa. So it is steep, but Tales of the Clerks, it collects the original Clerks run. In fact, you know what? Like randomly, I got the Clerks screenplay in issue two of the three-part clerk series. That's go. all I managed to find in a back issues bin. There you go. Well, but yeah, I... you're right. It's, it's a collection of like... Chasing Dogma, Jane, Silent Bob, Bluntman and Chronic is all in Tales of the Clerks. Holy crap. Well, if anyone out there listening wants to buy me a birthday present this year, Tales of the Clerks is what I'm looking for. Yeah, me too. Make that uh, (laughs) two copies. Two copies, please. The plot is very basic, but I'm going to give you a quick run through anyway, although I'm sure you're familiar if you're listening. Two store clerks, Dante and Randall, trouble customers, discuss movies, laze around and play hockey on the store roof all the time. Once in the movie, but generally that's what we get from the film. It's a regular thing that happens, but that's it. So lots of standing around, having conversations. Pissing off, pissing off customers. <laughs> yeah, pissing off customers. And honestly, it wasn't until watching it years later, I completely missed the fact that you had actors playing multiple roles. Yeah. I missed that completely. Walt Flanagan, who I knew more years later from... Comic Book Men, the yeah. TV show. Wasn't that a great show? Oh, mate, loved it. Absolutely loved that. Yeah. But I completely missed the fact that... And, and it's not as if he's going out of his way to disguise himself. He's maybe wearing, like, a different hat or whatever. Yeah. But in Clerks, this is who Walt plays. Woolen cap smoker, Eggman, offended customer, cat-admiring biter customer. Multiple roles. Yeah, I love it. The his egg, mum. The his mum's in it. Oh, yeah, his Eggman, yeah. Eggman was great. His mum is in it as the woman that's checking all the milk. Yeah, that's like right. Like Kevin Smith's mum, which I thought was... Oh, wow. Was um, pretty was cool. was awesome. So Smith himself, I mean, again, like, what have we not said already? Because, again, we've talked about Kevin Smith a lot. He is a keen comic book fan. He sold a large part of his comic collection to fund to finance, this film. Yeah. And not just comics, I think Star Wars like, like action figures. You can bet your bottom dollar he would have rebought his collection. He would have bought it all back. Well, he since was able to buy back most of it. Mm. So I'm sure he's... Yeah. And by this point, he's probably got all of it back and no doubt yeah. more, including lots of his own collectibles, like action he, figures and whatever I else. heard he just bought a cinema. Yes, I've heard that too. Yeah. And it's pretty cool, but we there live too go. far away. That's yeah. in the US. Yeah. So as I've said, Smith worked in the store where they shot the film. 
they shot for 21 straight nights. He would clock in at 6am, finish at 11pm. They would then shoot until 4am, after which he would try to grab an hour or two sleep before getting ready to work the next day. That's why you never see daytime scenes in the film. Well, that's it. And genius, right? The plot included an explanation for the shutters always being down. Mm. In reality, they shot at night, even though the film takes part takes place sorry, during the day. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, kids keep putting chewing gum in the lock and it gets jammed. At the end of Jay and Silent Bob reboot, Jay reveals they were the ones all these years putting the chewing gum. And I'm like, whoa, what an amazing callback. That's a nice full circle moment. Jane Silent Bob did it, or more specifically, it was probably Jay. Yeah. But that was that was so cool. Ah, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Again, we did a full review for that film shoot. Each viewing, I love it more and more. Me too. It is such a good film. That chasing Amy scene with Ben Affleck, oh, Joey Love and Adams, it hits so hard. That's so great. It's funny, it's heartfelt. And then the ending, like, I can't remember exactly uh, the phrasing or the dialogue. You've got Jay, and he's talking to Harlequin Smith, who's playing his daughter in the film. That's right, yeah. And he says, oh, God, like, you know, it's important, or it's good if you've got, like, a best friend who's always got your back, even if he's always standing by your side. It's something like that, and it was so sweet. I probably butchered that, but it's such a nice moment and a perfect way to end that film. Let's not forget, Affleck was the bomb as Batman, yo. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah and and uh, it gets a batman shout out in um reboot ah oh, so much great. fun but going so back great. to going back to this film then to brian o'halloran dante hicks dante says i'm not even supposed to be yeah. here today which is just catch catchphrase it is so i'm curious how many times do you think he says that because you're right it is his catchphrase this mm. is i mean what's the runtime about 90 minutes in a 90-minute film, how many times do you think he says, I'm not even supposed to be here today? I'm going to say, I'm going to come in there maybe three times. Five. Times. Five. He says it five times. And then he also says two similar things, one each time. No, I don't work today. And yeah, I know I'm not scheduled today. Yeah, and then Randall has a big go at him toward the end of the film about it. Nobody twisted your own to be here. You're here your own value. You're here your own volition. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. Well, Randall, let's talk Randall. Oh, we should say as well, Dante Hicks is based on Kevin Smith. That's no. who he based it on. And Randall Graves was based on one of his close mates. Uh, help me out here. Um, ah, Brian O'Halloran. No, yeah. Brian Anderson. No, because you're mixing no, up I'm Jeff getting, Anderson. I'm getting, I'm getting mis- Brian Johnson. Oh, yes. Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Got there initially. It's, it's hard, initially. isn't it? Yeah, Randall Graves was based on Brian Johnson. But here's the thing. Kevin, and I heard this somewhere, wrote the part of Randall for himself. He wanted all of Randall's snappy, witty dialogue, but he just ended up deciding to go with Silent Bob and playing that role instead because he just couldn't memorize all the dialogue. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. So mm. originally he cast himself as Randall, and that that's is right. why Randall gets some of the, the best lines. lines. Yeah. But then... Writer, director, producer, editor, like he's like, ah. And just in case this was his only film, he still wanted to give himself a part in the film. So that's why he created Silent Bob. So he could be in front of the camera. Well, Silent Bob was already in it, but he took that part just so he could have it. And then Mm. the idea is that he was going to be there. Now, 
I've been reading conflicting things. On one hand, there's comparisons to Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Moving from the silent era to the talky pictures. Gotcha. Like going to, That's so interesting. There's that transition. But even then, Charlie Chaplin would often talk later. Mm. And that's where Silent Bob would have his one or two lines. Yeah. He'd have a big speech, at, you know, in Every Chasing time... Amy. But until then, he would just say something and it profound. was usually yeah. something profound. But I also read, and this was just last night, I also read, apparently what he says in Clerks, it was supposed to be Jay, but Jason Mewes just wasn't getting it. So Smith said it instead. Ah. So, whatever, whatever the whatever the reason, it's... Silent Bob is a great character and it's so good and quite unique having a director so prominent because even if he's silent mm. and then when you get to their fifth Askew film, James Silent Bob Strike Back, he's one of the title characters. Yes. But to have a director so prolific and in front of the camera. Yeah. And I mean, Randall himself in the in the trailer for the new film says the comment that, that Jay and Bob are like the C-3PO and R2-D2 of the franchise. They've been there since the beginning. Yeah. And in the background. Yeah. And they and they have it's so funny. Like, you know, so they're making this film and specifically Kevin Smith wrote Jay for Jason Muse. Yeah. And then Jay's reading the script. Or hang on. Jason Muse is reading the script. He's going, What's this line? Snoochie boochies. Who talks like, like that? that? That's and Smith's talk. like, You do. You, <laughs> you do talk it. like that. Yeah. I've literally written you into the movie. Yeah. Jason, you are now Jay. You just <laughs> have to movie. play. You're essentially just yourself. And that's why it's crazy. Like, so yeah. the, the second film, which was Universal, more rats. And they're like, Okay, so who are you going to get to play Jay? And Smith's like, Well, Jay. Jason Muse. Like, he's, he's Jay. They were looking at people like Seth that's Green right. and like they, multiple people. Yeah, that's right. They did they did do casting for the J and then and like Smith was like, Alright, I'll indulge you, I'll humor you, we'll do this casting bit, but I know who my Jay's gonna be. So fortunately, yeah, it ended up being Jason Muse because yeah. them two together and that that friendship, it's just so genuine. It's, it's been endured. there from the get go. It's endured. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy that we did get oh, yeah. Jason Muse Absolutely. as part of this. Yeah, Dante and Randall are, are, are a great one-two combination. They oh, all, they really are. They always yeah. will be. Yeah, so again, Dante, Kevin Smith, <laughs> and uh, Randall Graves, Brian Johnson. Got yeah. it. Yeah, there we go. Flawless. Um, apparently, uh, Jason Mewes was so camera shy that during the dance scene with him and Smith as Silent Bob, everyone had to leave and go to the video store next door well, we and just left yeah. the camera rolling so that Muse wouldn't be so nervous. Wow. I mean, this, this, at that point, he was a kid. He was young. Just a young kid. Not yeah. an actor. So it was it was a big thing, even being in this Hindi film. And then obviously it all blew up. And then he's no, done he's... all the film appearances he's done. Like He's had a guest spot on The Flash, the Arrowverse show. That's right. And... He's, the, he's that used to being in front of the camera now. He'll just tuck his junk in between his legs quite happily and show the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sounds of the Lambs. There we go. Mm-hmm. Twice he does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scott Mosier, long-time producer. And he friend. does, yes, and friend. Mm-hmm. He does have a couple... He's another one that has a couple of roles. He was... William, the idiot man-child, oh, angry yeah. hockey-playing customer, and angry mourner. That's beautiful, man. So he yeah. pops up a yeah. couple of times. The Chulies gum representative oh, where he comes yes. in, is grandstanding, gets everyone's attention, said, hey, you know, smoking all is bad for you. It is because he wants them all to buy Chulies gum, which is a product 
made up for this film. And there's a lot of product placements that aren't real products. No, they And it was so they didn't fake. have to pay money. Yeah, yeah, fake. Royalties. But they've become part of the world. Yeah. Like, you know, like nails, cigarettes, like things like that. So you associate with your Askewversary. It's not just reoccurring characters, no. reoccurring brands, and it really adds to and the I world. I love that the Askewniverse is its own thing. It's so self-referencing. Yeah, I'd love that too. But then, you know, Smith being a comic guy, that's what they do in the comics. Yeah. And he's and even when he was brought in to see the guys at Warner Brothers to work on a Superman project, he's like, and that's when Tim Burton was directing with that's Nick Cage's right. Superman. And Smith's like, why just go and ask one of the comic guys from DC? Like, they know these characters. I don't know, they're just the comic guys. We don't we don't do that. Oh, come on. But Smith was doing that. Like, yeah. those sensibilities from the comics. Like, hey, this guy's in this city. He knows this character. Like, hey, we've got the Fantastic Four outside the Baxter building. We need to have a photographer. Why not have it be Peter Parker? Mm. And it all kind of grew from that. And like, make it a shared world. And that's yeah. what he was doing with his movies. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone's a cousin of someone else. Absolutely. And then you get actors playing relatives. Like, when uh, Brian O'Halloran comes back in Morvax, he's playing... Hicks. Yeah, he's playing the cousin of Dante. Dante Hicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I like uh, that stuff. Anyway, going back to the Chulies gum representative. Yep. The smoker's lung that he slams on the counter is actually a calf's liver thrown in dirt and burned with cigarettes. Wow. So there you go. That's what that prop was. Never knew that. Me neither. But I, I came across it last night. I'm like, oh, that's, um, that's pretty interesting. Didn't, I'll didn't, mention that. Didn't know I wanted to know that. Tonally, gritty, real world. It's a black and white film. Yeah. It's the only one of Smith's films that is black and white. Yeah. It was to save cost. That's that's what that was. But it it definitely adds to that indie indie feel. He did reveal why they shot in black and white recently. There's a couple of theories doing the rounds. He cleared it up. I don't know what I forget what the official Well, I think it's always been just because black and white it's famously cheaper than colour. Yeah, yeah, and, that's right. And when you're doing colour as well, like you've also got to do colour matching, which is more work, more cost. Yeah. So black but and also, white was the cheaper. A fan way to go. came up to him and said, "It looks like the vision you would see from the store security surveillance camera." Yes. And, and he was like, "You know what? That's so brilliant." I'm going to tell people that's why uh, I shot in black and white. I'll, I'll roll with that explanation. Good call. Yeah, yeah. That, absolutely not true. But that, not true. I, but no, but I heard that as well. I'm like, yeah, that is just genius. That's awesome. Yeah. Although the the exterior shots, although there's not many, hmm. doesn't work. But it's, it's, it works. It's still cool. I still <laughs> No, quite, I do like it. I really I, like I it. Well. I thought that was great. I generally really like it. Mm. So again, going back tonally, this is not a kid's movie. No. There is there's no. bad language in this film. Oh, yeah. The word fuck... And its derivatives are said 91 times throughout the film. Mostly by Randall. <laughs> no, mostly between Dante and Jay. Oh, there you go. There, yeah, I know. I would have thought Randall as well. Yeah. Because well, like, he has that scene with the young girl the and the mum. Yeah, what was yeah. that film again? Yeah. What I read about that is Jeff Anderson, he refused to do it in front of the young girl and the mother because oh, wow. of the dialogue. So he refused to do it. So what you're seeing, how it's been edited together, looks like they're together in the same room. But they're not. But they're not. Ah, and Smith spliced the footage. To get their reaction away from Anderson, the dialogue was read out to them so they could respond the right way. Right. But Anderson himself didn't feel comfortable doing it. Isn't that interesting? Because he always strikes you as the kind of guy who would just do that. And he's playing a character that just wouldn't give a shit. 
and didn't and did it <laughs> like in the movie but the, yeah the actor is like okay i am absolutely not going to say that that's crazy now i found I something else out which i never knew now i know with clerks 2 it's fast food not a convenience store mm. so the letters that make up clerks ah, yes. are taken from fast food chains you're telling me this and i was i was amazed like by that kfc is in there but anyway what i didn't know until doing prep for this the clerks logo is made out of letters cut from various magazines and food items the c is from cosmopolitan magazine wow. the l is from life the e is from rolling stone the r is from ruffles potato chips the k is from clark bar and the S is from a Goober's box. Isn't that amazing? Those last few, obviously, US brands. Yeah, but the others that we know, but international brands. There we go. That's that's incredible. That's cool. And that here we so are. Cool. Like, how many times have you and I off air just talked Kevin Smith like at length? Yeah, like his movies, him as a person, TV shows, comics. Because we love the dude. Never knew that. So we just we found something out together about, about our favorite creator that we just did not know. Isn't that amazing? So again, I've said the budget of this movie. Like one of the things that I always like to talk about when doing these reviews mm. is I like to give credit to all areas of production, yeah, including the composer, like you know the guy or woman who you know the person who is composing the film. Mm. This movie has no composer. This movie has no score. No. <laughs> whatsoever. It's... It, but it's it's very rare. Like yeah. I mean this this movie has music and that, that that you know obviously that makes up for it. Yeah. But even films that have music, rock songs, pop songs, they still usually have a score, but this mm. movie didn't. The soundtrack was composed by various new and previously released songs by alternative rock, grunge, and punk rock artists such as Bad Religion, Love Among Freaks, Alice in Chains, and Soul Asylum. Nice. The opening of the film, Love Among Freaks. Mm. That's what I closely associate with Clerks. Yeah. Just that fast beat, and ah, I love that. And that's Punky what I'm going to be. Upbeat. Yeah, that's going to be the opening of he this episode. He loves Bad Religion too. He um he closes out Clerks too with with one of their other songs, Frustrated Incorporated. Right. Yeah, Frustrated. Oh, of course. Yeah. Incorporated. Yeah. So he, he loves his '90s grunge. He loves his '90s rock or po- post rock, post grunge. I do have a couple of his soundtracks. I've got Clerks. They're I've great. got More Rats. Yeah, that had Weezer on it. Suzanne. That was a sick on song. yeah on on More Rats. They don't do it now. But they mm. did it in the 90s, and I kind of wish they didn't. Now, as much as I love Clerks, the Clerks soundtrack, can you remember in the 90s where they would, each song would be every second song, and the tracks in between would be various sound clips from the yes, film. Yes, and they would splice in sound clips ah, of the footage, yeah. or dialogue rather, of characters. Which, if that's the specific experience you want to have with the soundtrack, okay. But if you just want to listen to music from a film, it's really disjointed. You, you may recall they did the same thing with Bill and Ted. Right. Bill and Ted soundtrack. There was that song in um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which had a lot of samples of their their dialogue from the movies spliced in with the, with the music. Yeah, I don't think I've listened to the soundtrack. Obviously, I've seen the films many times. Yeah, um, one, two, it's and there. three. You can even listen to it as the credits roll on the end of Bogus Journey. 
You'll hear it. Right, but what about the, the CD, though? Like, the soundtrack? Oh, I don't know if it's on there. But oh, well, that's what I'm talking imagine, about. Like, so, imagine it would be... Imagine, right. I imagine I'd have to. But this is, like, this is like sound clips, audio clips between every single song that's on the soundtrack. It's very it's very disjointed, but it, it's, it's cool, a thing... Oh, again... It's nice. If that's the experience you're going for, like, if you're like, hey, I want to, like, have an experience of Clerks without watching the movie again... And just sit and listen to it. But if you just want to listen to the music, mm. anyway. That's what you're saying. We 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 can we can edit it now. We can we can change it. We can just have it as an MP3. But back then, in fact, even back then, I had iTunes. Eh, what am I saying? But if I'm just going to put the CD in a CD player, which young people I don't think do anymore. No. Anyway, oh, the music. Okay, uh, it is one of the very few films in which the cost of obtaining the rights to the music used was a great portion of the production cost for the entire film. Which is which says something, doesn't it? Well music is expensive. Yeah. And yeah, the clear, obviously clearing the rights for it is. Yeah, they obviously yeah. wanted to have those. Those songs, so of course they had to clear the rights. So before we get to the rating, we talk a little bit about sequels. Yep. Although not directly sequels in terms of addressing the original film storyline, characters from the original Clerks, primarily Jane Silent Bob, appeared in the films Mole Rats in ninety five, Chasing mm. Amy in ninety seven Dogma in 99, Jane Silent Bob in 2001, and Jane Silent Bob Reboot in 2019. Yeah. All of which take place in the same continuity as Clerks. Dante and Randall also reprised their roles in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which was originally promoted as the finale to the series, but an official sequel to Clerks was announced a few years later, which was Clerks 2. We got that in July 2006. Great. The working title was The Passion of the Clerks. Clerks. That's right. I remember hearing that. Though the film was released under the title Clerks 2, the credits for Dogma stated, Jay and Silent Bob will return in Clerks 2, hardly clerking. (laughs) However, that project evolved into Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Nice. The sequel features Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran reprising their roles as Dante Hicks and Randall Graves. Little cameos. The two... No, this is Clerks 2. Oh, right. So they were the main characters. I think it's a strike back. The two now work at Movie's restaurant after Graves' incompetence resulted in the destruction of the Quick Stop and RST video store. Mm. So we can leave Clerks 2 there because we're going to do Dogma. We're going to do Clerks 2. We are going to complete the View Askew first films in review form. We're going to do all of them. All of them. You bet. You bet. You absolutely bet we're going to do it. Yes. Yep. So, Clerks, if you're going to rate Clerks out of five. Gee, I wonder what score I'm going to give it. Five. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. How, how could you not? It's the origin of all things um, Kevin Smith, and uh, it's the origin of the Esk universe. It sets everything up. It's, it is the big bang of Kevin Smith's universe. It sets everything up. It's the blueprint for everything that came afterwards. Um, I, love how, I love its irreverence. I love its, I love its chattiness, its witticism. I love its punk rock indie DIY feel, um, which is reflected in both its, bu- its budget, as we've spoken about numerously, its music, um, the look and feel of it. Uh, I love that you can go back and, and discover new things about it that you never knew about it, like some of the things you rattled off in today's show, the things I never knew. And I love that fans can come up to Smith and say things, and he will go, that's an amazing take. I really like that. I want to run with that as an explanation, even though that's not the official explanation. So there's so much that this thing gives there's so much joy that this thing that this movie gives to his fan base that it's really is the gift that keeps on giving um 
I couldn't come in at anything less than a five. It's, it's I love it. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and I know that you do. I, I was also going to say this is the film that is the gift that keeps on giving, and and you've said it already, and not just for you the fans, for Smith. Yeah, I mean, like this, he's built his whole career. Yeah, on this film, and you know he's had hits and misses. Like when you went for that period of, I mean, Red State as a fan base. Mm-hmm. And is is a good film, mm. but it's very different to all of this, which was intentional on his part. And then you've got Tusk, which there's talks of a sequel, Yoga Hoses. So he kind of was off doing something a little bit different for a while, but then he came back with Reboot, we're getting Clerks 3. Um, so again, like his career started with this one movie. This. I love it too. Like, And I feel like you know I'm very biased because of how much I love it. Yeah. So it it's, exactly, ditto. It's like kind of, it's hard to like critique something that you love so much. So I don't care. I'm going to go with you. It's a it's a five out of five. Mm. Like, could I really pick it apart? Of course. Do yeah. I want to? You Not can, really. With, with anything. Not really. I don't want to. No. I just want to continue to watch and love this film. And I'm really looking forward to getting together again and doing Clerks 2, um, another film that I'm very fond of. This is a, a great film. Um, yeah, every every viewing, like you say, you, you, there's something new to take away from it, and the dialogue, it, it's just it's perfect. I absolutely love Clerks. People forget that he. This is basically how he started his career. He's basically filming what he was doing before he became a movie maker. You know, the very store that he worked in becomes a character and a background piece unto itself. Well, quick stop. It's a real place. Yeah. What I want to know is, is the town of Leonardo in New Jersey real or fictional? That is a good question that we will look into so from now episodes. until reviewing Clerks mm-hmm. 2. I'd like to think that it is. I think so. Well, that's it for our episode all about Clerks. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me again. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.